Hey, welcome, Resurrecting Our Freedom. This is my good friend here, Dr. Doug DeSiena, chiropractor extraordinaire and person extraordinaire, Dr. Fred DiDomenico. We're very excited today to do this again with our new great friend, Pamira Besman. And you had a history where you got into corporate pharmaceutical companies, very successful, doing what you're supposed to do helping people as you thought you were helping them back then. And then you had this epiphany, this epiphany that kind of that woke you up. And then all of a sudden, and that was when you had your first baby, completely changed your whole perspective on life, got out of that, changed your whole direction. Now it's going 100 miles an hour into the, uh, into the I don't know, what do we call it, patriotic direction. Yeah, the organic lifestyle and, and creating movements that are creating impact. So we're excited to hear your story and thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's really a pleasure. Yeah, so what we'd like to do again is, is kind of give your version a bit. Um, of You got into corporate, corporate pharmaceutical companies and uh, specifically, what did you do? I, I know you felt like you were helping people and then what was that epiphany that you had and how that shifted your direction in life? Yeah, my, um, I built my career in um, top 10 global pharmaceutical corporations in primarily global positions. And uh, I ran large teams, uh, international uh, multicultural teams. Uh, I worked in, in, in different roles, anything from marketing to R&D to global operations and project management, uh, brand teams, and uh, worked on uh, launching new products. Um, I even had a project where I was in charge of launching the, um, the nationwide flu shot project at pharmacies for my, for my employer at a time. So I've been on the other side of the coin. Um, as you said, I, I back then was very much under the impression that I was helping people with the products and the services. I, I thought that I was helping alleviate pain. I was helping people live higher quality lives. Which, um, after I had my epiphany, I, I realized that primarily profit-driven uh, projects and um, life is of a higher quality without them. Uh, so, so, yes, now I'm on the, on the opposite side of, um, of how life should work. Well, there you go. And it's interesting, while you're in it, like you said, you're a see this Italian, while you're in it, you know, you're like, yes, you're purpose-driven, and yes, sales are driving, and really that's it, right? More drugs, more drugs, more drugs, and R&D really is we're discovering new drugs and more drugs and more drugs and more drugs. And, you know, the people in that industry, I mean, I think human beings are basically good people and good-hearted people, and I really believe that our highest calling is to contribute to humanity. And so how the mindset is created, obviously those corporations, and they have to create a mindset, we believe you're doing good. Otherwise, then, you know, people wouldn't stay there. So, so, so you were very successful at it. And then you had your epiphany. Just uh, tell us about your epiphany in that moment where you felt that light when you were staring at your daughter. Yeah, my epiphany happened when my was only a couple of days old. And um, going into pregnancy, I wanted to take a natural path. I, I, I wanted to of a natural birth, which I was successful in doing, no drugs, no interference, no, no doctors. I just had a, oh, it was a hospital birth. It was with a midwife. So, so it was, it was a beautiful, clean birth as much as I could. And 
and um and on the first day that my baby was born she was lying next to me in the in the little crib and the, the nurse put her there and i don't know why like i didn't think to say no but i i, I heard her choking on her spit and and i just flew from the bed and just like grabbed my baby and put her on my chest and that was like the first connection moment of like that was my first moment of my maternal instincts kicking into gear despite what I was told by quote unquote authority figure who knew what she was doing. And I knew that my baby just had to be on my chest, heart to heart in an elevated position. And that just putting her like that immediately cleared her her airways and she was able to breathe. And then from that point I just kept her there and she 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 was very comfortable. And even when we went home and she was like sleeping on my chest and and i it was the middle of the afternoon a beautiful summer day and and i felt like in my mind's eye all of a sudden i i saw this light pour into my body i felt my whole body my starting from my head my heart my body opened up in my mind's eye and where my baby was lying on my heart this light pour into me and it was a very profound moment it was a very spiritual beautiful moment and that just gave me this this message that i became one with with god with the spiritual realm and through my baby i allowed myself to be vulnerable and start listening to that um to that non-mental voice that was always within me which i believe is now now I know it to be my maternal wisdom, my instincts, my millions of years of coding in my DNA of being a woman became alive when I allowed my baby to be that, that vessel for me to receive that message. And from that day on, I just started making different choices in life. In the hospital, did you have any medical interventions? Uh, right at the birth? I tried not to. So for the baby's actual birth, I didn't. I didn't take any any painkillers. I I just like did the birth with with my thing. I was actually so worried that they were going to interfere with my birth that I didn't even want to come to the hospital until I was actually I I was in transition. I arrived on all fours. Like I crawled into the hospital because I couldn't walk because the baby was practically coming out. So, like, I did my best to do everything so that there wouldn't be any interferences. Um, but so, then they they managed to still meddle with it enough that I couldn't stop my bleeding because they stuck their hands so much in there unnecessarily that they could they freaked out that the bleeding wouldn't stop, that they gave me Pitocin after the baby was born. Right. Which was, again, this was a medical midwife situation. I didn't realize back then even midwives have ranges of holistic all the way to medical. Right. So let's go back to that moment. You had like a universal epiphany. Like you said, you connect with God. It shifted your whole perspective. Now you're looking at your baby. Now, what? how long did it take you to realize that, well, shoot, man, I'm making flu shots. I'm making, I'm working for a company that actually injects these kids and injects the parents. Now, I mean, I know you know you're shaking your head now. It's like, please forgive my sins. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all good. 
Right. So, so from that day on, I, I just like listened to my, my body and my baby. And that was it. I just made all of my choices like that. Although um, we were still going to a, a, a pediatrician who told me that the most holistic thing I could do face apart the vaccines for the baby. So as much as I tried to delay them and face them, I thought that I still had to give them. Like I wasn't given this information until much later, which I figured out on my own that I could say no. Uh, so, so for that first year, although I was on this path of turning everything holistic and then basically turning away from the, all the products that I was working <laughs> made previously. Um, I still use some pharmaceutical products because I was practically coerced them with that, by withholding of the, the information that it was my choice to say no to them. Right. Um, I, but, I, I, but every day it was about, you know, nursing, you know, no medicines, just, you know, uh, just organic, organic, everything. When everything becomes organic, little by little, you're eliminating toxins and, and all the you know all the mainstream products from your repertoire but it took a while you get like the epiphany um and you get a change of paradigm but it takes a while to find your voice and what i want to know is where did you find your voice to stand up to what you knew your truth was it was the first year anniversary almost coming up at that same pediatrician and uh she told us we had to do the blood work and and I was like, why? You know, why do we have to do the blood work? Do you think that she has any symptoms? Do you think that she has any problems? Are you noticing any any delays in her develop, development or or anything like that? And she said, oh no, it's just uh, it's just routine. And I happened to be someone who had a very traumatic first blood drawing experience. The guy held down my arm. I know I was a child, and he just like jammed the the needle into my arm, and it was horrible. It was like like a torture scene. And I never forgot that experience and it stayed with me for life. So since then, I still have a focus in blood. So I'm thinking about my tiny little baby. Why am I going to do this to her if there's really no good reason? And when she said it's about routine procedure, I realized like all of this is routine. None of it is about my child. The doctor didn't even bother to find out if my child has any issues that need to be looked into. When I asked her and questioned her, she didn't even care. She's like, oh, it's just routine. It's just a check the box. And I realized my child was just another number on that checklist that she needed to check her box to get her bonus or fulfill the requirements for her, you know, report she's going to send to the health department or whatever it might be or the insurance company. And, and that was it for me. That, that was it. We never went back to that pediatrician, and I never, ever did any other routine things to my children after that point. That was it. So it's really the state, the state and the American Medical Association is telling you that really childhood is a disease, right? So we have to do these things, and, and growing and being alive needs to be treated like a disease, not like a God-given life. So... So now, then you started looking into vaccinations, right? And then you realize now your second child wasn't vaccinated at all. And so then you became an activist 
and tell us about your experience when you started learning those from, you know, what was really going on with vaccination. Tell us about what was your experience there and how did you react when you started getting that, understanding that information? So once I, once I made that decision that I wasn't going back to that doctor and I was not going to follow the mainstream checklist, so that decision was sealed for me. And now I had to fill in my knowledge gap of, okay, I made the decision, but what am I doing for all these things that, you know, I, I used to follow protocols of the mainstream previously. So now there was a huge, I realized there's a huge gap of knowledge that I had to fill in and know what to do in those situations so that I could feel comfortable with the decisions. Because I grew up believing vaccines are good. I, I worked for a vaccine manufacturer. So now I realize now I have to really know my stuff. Right. And, and that's when all the research started. And that's when I started connecting with all these parents whose children had been severely damaged in many, many ways. And it wasn't just one in a million. I, I, I met hundreds of them and a lot of them are my good friends now i know their lives very intimately and i realized all the cover-up and i realized statistics and 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 i'm a scientifically minded person i know how to read studies so i started like inhaling these things like it's nobody's business i was i was just researching 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 and the more i researched the more i put the pieces together with my old life of how we did marketing how we looked at planes how we manipulated certain things we could and we couldn't say to make it sound the best and most appealing to the patients and the clients and the doctors. A lot of times the doctors are the, uh, are the clients. So you're convincing the doctor to then make the sale for you. If the, if the doctor becomes a believer, then you don't even have to work on, on the people. The doctor's doing the sale for the company. And then I started putting all the puzzle pieces together. So, so then you realize this has nothing to do with health. This is straight big business. And it's one of the business, I mean, like oil and pharmaceutical companies, right, are probably the two, some of the pharmaceutical two number one. pharmaceuticals, number one big business, yeah. minimally in this country. And number one lobbyist, too. And number one lobbyist, right. Every other industry by many folds. And it's for a good reason. There's big money in it. So for, for me, I just have to tell my quick story. I had something similar to you. When I went to chiropractic college, I don't know how, if this was like in your school. You went to LACC, right? Yeah. I went to school in LA, and my, my pediatric class was actually taught by, by a pediatric doctor. And so I came out of chiropractic school thinking that every kid needs vaccinations. And what happened to me was time after time, being this healthy boy who knew his numbers and colors and mom and dad had made eye contact. Time and time again, they, get, they went in and had their vaccinations. And next time I saw this little Johnny or, or Billy, their numbers are no longer there. They don't make eye contact. And it's after about 5, 10, 15 kids that you see being vaccine injured, you start to wonder there's what something, going on what's going on. And so for me, it was a personal um, transformation not because I've researched it, although I did afterwards, it was because I got to see these children's lives being literally taken away from them. And one of the things I love about our podcast, I just have to say, is our podcast is about freedom. 
Because as these mothers and fathers, they get to have a voice in what goes on in their body. And we are can help give people permission to allow them to have a right. So now that you're seeing all these vaccine-damaged kids and these families that, if you want to call them victims, now you got to be getting all fired up about it. I mean, especially as a mother, and you see that emotional trauma, now your purpose and conviction goes through the roof. So you started becoming active. So tell us about being an activist. You helped. uh, uh, There were rallies when you live in New Jersey when they tried to make vaccinations mandatory. So talk about your fight and your path. Uh, trying to change all that. Yes. Yeah, so when you realize that there is a gap, you need to jump in and fill it. Uh, we, it's all our duty. I just realized this, that, um, that we have to be the change we want to see. We need to raise the voice we want to hear. And there are others that are not there yet that may not have the courage or they may not feel comfortable enough because they haven't filled that bucket of knowledge yet to, to have these conversations with conviction. They feel like they're not there yet. So that gave me even more fire that I'm not speaking for myself. I already know what I'm doing. I need to speak up for the, for the thousands of people, the millions of people out there who don't yet have a voice or they're stuck at home taking care of these babies that's from profits and their ignorance and their arrogance. I need to speak up for them because they can't be standing outside in the snow because they're stuck at home doing what they have to be doing to take care of those children. And, and, and is, um, is fighting a big fight. We have a very um, corrupt legislature. Um, I'm grateful for some very good uh, legislators in there that we are partnering with. But unfortunately, we have to fight a lot of corrupt people in those seats as well. So we have to constantly educate, connect, raise our voices, go out and show our numbers. Because there are two things that drive these legislators. One of them is votes. The other one is power and money to keep them in those seats and advance them to the next level of ambition they have. And the votes get them, in, get them into the seats, but then... They, they fed their people because from that point on, it becomes a party line alliance and pushing the uh, with the jobs that they're given from big industry. And if the people don't constantly keep reminding themselves, they, they forget that duty to the people. And, and that's why I'm, I'm constantly staying out there. I'm, I'm trying to engage people, encourage them. Our rallies are very, very peaceful. We're... It's an amazing, peaceful, highly educated group of people. Very, you've been to these rallies. I'm sure you know the kind of people. We're all connected with love. When you're there to save the babies, there's nothing that can separate you. There is nothing that can come between us. When we're there with one enormous heart and we're fighting for all the babies in the world, the ones that are here, and I'm constantly trying to encourage people, empower people, educate them, come out. Be there, show yourself, show your numbers, bring your family, have the conversations, have the difficult conversations, don't hide, because this is everybody's truth. And we owe it to everybody to speak with courage and conviction so that more babies don't get hurt. For every single one person that keeps quiet, they think they're hiding, somebody else is being hurt. So... 
staying quiet is no longer a choice for any of us. And, and that's why my activism is um, empowerment, encouragement, education, and also constantly connecting with the legislators, doing rallies, getting out, um, political activism, lots of action, following the bills, testifying, putting together writings and lawsuits going on. It's like really 360 degrees, trying to approach it from all the angles possible. Well, so um, you also were part of the rally that stopped the mandatory vaccination in Jersey. I believe you're part of a lawsuit against your governor right now for uh, the unconstitutional lockdowns and the, and the COVID policies, which now uh, Governor Newsom just got, but, just got uh, voted against by the Supreme Court yesterday. So we're seeing these governors coming down. We're seeing more and more people standing up. So, I mean, you're doing so many things in legislation and in gathering people and protesting and having a voice. I'll, I'll try and make this question specific. If you were going to give a voice or give words to the people out there, you know, and you could put it maybe in one sentence or briefly, what, what would you tell them? Who am, I, who am I speaking with? The people who are aware or the people who are not aware? Oh, that's a good question. Okay, people that are aware and then things. people that are not aware. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. How about that? So if I'm talking to those who are not aware, I would tell them, I've been on the other side. I was not aware. Being not aware doesn't mean the other side doesn't exist. And it doesn't mean that there are a bunch of crazies who are uneducated and who don't know what they're talking about. It's just to the contrary. The people I've met in this movement are so highly educated, so highly educated. And our education and our suffering, our pain and our bad experiences have brought us to this point. And that has fueled us to even go above and beyond in learning more and more and more in things that we would have never looked at had we never opened our eyes. Right. So. So I would just say, keep an eye open and keep your heart open. Um, there is a lot that you cannot see unless you are willing to see it. Well, and I'd like to add, too, that you say just because you may not know about the other side doesn't mean it's there. And the people that are standing up, we say, are highly intelligent. I think it's also to know and have respect the people that want to sell you drugs that are in big business, they're very intelligent. They understand human behavior. They know how to market. They know how to change your psychology. And so they're very smart and never underestimate their intent. They, they pick the best educated kids from the best schools. And then it's like a horse race. So being a good horse isn't enough. Then you have to be the better horse and then the better horse, the better than the better horse. So it's, you're constantly, the bar is constantly raised. I remember days that I would work 16-hour days, 20-hour days. I would wake up in the middle of the night to get a sip of water and check my emails, make sure nothing was never unanswered. It's crazy. I was raising the bar on myself. And if you grew your sales by 20% this year, next year's target would be 25%. So it's always growth year upon year. It's never enough. And the the customer is the stock market. People think that they are the not. It's the stock market. So the people are actually the product. The people are being sold off 
in the process and the stock market is the real client. So the, if the company doesn't deliver results at the stock market, that says everything. Numbers are gone. So Profit margin that regular good-hearted people don't understand how it works. So now what message would you give to the aware people? To the aware people, I, I say, keep up the faith. This is a spiritual fight. Uh, what you feel and believe deep down in your bones, in your heart, that is the truth. Follow that truth and keep growing yourself. Keep speaking your truth. There is nothing I am more afraid of than be enslaved and silenced and for things to be done to my children against our will. Exactly. So there is really nothing to lose here. Silence, we will only lose with silence and acceptance. As long as we keep, we keep speaking up and standing up with courage, we cannot lose. We will only lose if we choose to. That's right. That's why we're resurrecting our freedom, right? High five us. Thank you very much. High five. <laughs> High five. Okay, my, my good friend here, what are your last my, words? My final comment is simply this. I feel that the government is ever encroaching upon our freedoms. And the number one avenue this government is encroaching our freedoms is with health choices. And it blows my mind that we're living in a time when a parent can't determine what type of drug will be injected into their baby's body. It blows me away. So we are at a time where you need to be an activist. You can't be a silent citizen anymore. Or you'll be a victim. Or you will be a victim. That's right. I guess my final words are you are more powerful than you think. And uh, this book was based on finding your soul journey. And we find people find their soul journey through pain. So, you know, we go through one aspect of our life and then we have an epiphany. Many times that changes. So. So I see your story. I mean, I, I, I know that you may look back and go, oh my God, I sold all these drugs to all these people. But you had to go through it. You had to gain that global experience to be able to create a movement that's so big now. Like if you didn't have that experience, you wouldn't be able to fight the fight that you are now. So it's all part of your part of your purpose. And I admire that about you, that you came to, <laughs> came to the other side. But, uh, you know, with a, with a true universal spiritual awakening, because that's who we all are on the inside. So thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being vulnerable. And thank you for helping minimally this nation and the world to resurrect our freedom. Thank you as well. Thank you. We're all in it together. This is the real thing. We're all in together. Yeah, we are. <laughs> the, the great awakening is what we're really in together. Yes, thank you. Hey, great, Tamara was awesome. Again, uh, you know, to be able to come from where she came from and have that experience, man, and be all fired up about selling drugs all over the world. <laughs> and then to have that universal epiphany, go, oh my God, what did I do? And then to go completely the other way, but that's probably why she's so passionate about it. I was just gonna say, I think people who are most passionate are people who are in one kind of paradigm and they have some sort of an epiphany and she's fully switched and saw the light, if you will. And now she's a powerful player in, in the movement for freedoms. Yeah, it's a totally opposite pole. I love that. Is that bipolar? <laughs> I don't know. We've been, how many times have I been bipolar? It has nothing to do with any epiphany though, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. 
Yeah, it really just an amazing story. I really, I, I, I love, of course, we're very spiritually based, right? So I love that story. A light comes into your body. You feel the presence of God and you create total unity with your kid and you see all mankind related. Like that was a metaphor for all of us, for all humanity and universal energy and the fact that we're all created perfect. And we don't need to freaking inject anything right. or take anything from the outside in. And isn't it also beautiful, at least for me and my practice, like who doesn't love a baby? And when you see baby, you see God's perfection. Right. And I think the epiphany for her is she was resting with God's perfection. God's spirit was on her chest. So many metaphors with that. And in that perfection, she goes, why in the world would I want to inject a bunch of bad chemicals into this perfection? I think it's so beautiful. Such a beautiful metaphor. Well, yeah, and then realize that's where you're selling. Okay, I'm done. Right. Time to go a different right. route, right? So The interesting part is she actually had that epiphany, and she was still in that kind of space, that in-between space where I think there's a lot of stress in our lives, right? That's yeah. where stress is, where she's incongruent with her belief with her mechanisms, values. with her values. Yeah. You teach that all the time in your program. Right. So, yeah, hey, it's an amazing interview. Ring the bell, make sure you share, comment, and uh, there's something else you're supposed to do. What is it? Share with your friends. Right. Subscribe. subscribe. That was it. <laughs> a voice from the echo, from the shadows over here. Make sure you subscribe. That's my nephew, Dalton. By the way, you'll see his lovely face on here. And uh, hey, share this, man, because we are in a time where we need to make a difference. The more we know, the more power we have, the more we stand up for our rights, the more we resurrect our freedoms. You're either an activist or you're a victim. Ow, I had to say that part again. All right. Hey, love you guys.